Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Boss is here. Military parents never miss a beat, and neither does the Johns Hopkins U.S. Family Health Plan. Built for every warrior in your family, with more than 40 years of service to military families, TRICARE Prime Benefits plus exclusive extras. Learn more at warriorsathome.com. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome to our weekend mailbag episode, which is going to take a bit of a detour this weekend as... I take this opportunity to talk about the upcoming MLB draft, and we're just a few weeks away now from the draft. The College World Series kicks off on Friday, so I thought this was perfect time to do one of these episodes that I wanted to do regularly throughout the college baseball season, but you know, two toddlers building a home, that's all left me with pretty much just enough time to focus on the reason our podcast exists, which is obviously the Orioles minor league, so Prepping for this was a lot of fun, and I hope you hear something that piques your interest along the way with these college guys. Uh, I've got, I oh, might throw a few high school guys in there as well, but I've got uh, three segments here that I'm going to run through today. First, I'm going to do a mock draft roundup, just looking through kind of recent mock drafts from national outlets and talking about who they have mocked to the Orioles. Between the five or six mock drafts I looked at, there are currently just two players connected to the Orioles, so I'll dive into each of those, and then... The next segment, I'm going to add five more names to that list and look at uh, five players who have either been connected to the Orioles in previous mock drafts or in notes within more recent mock drafts, or they appear to have profiles which could be very attractive to the Orioles, and they're mocked around when the Orioles pick. And then finally, I'm going to fire up Prospects Live's mock draft simulator and have some fun uh, going through a five-round mock draft where I'll talk through each pick I made for the Orioles. So, Without further ado, let's dive in to the most recent mock drafts here. And I'll start with Baseball America. Baseball America has TCU third baseman Braden Taylor mocked to the Orioles. And this also gives everybody a good chance. If you're not super familiar with the MLB draft, the process, or a lot of these guys, you know, I'm sure not too many of us are sitting around watching a lot of college baseball. 
some of these guys will be playing in the College World Series, including Braden Taylor. So you can get a look for yourself here over the next couple of days. Taylor's listed at 6'1", 180 pounds. He's a left-handed hitting third baseman. Got to have the lefties. He just turned 21 years old back in May. So right off the bat, we have a few things that stand out in terms of what the Orioles have been targeting in recent drafts. College hitter, left-handed bat, very young. Kind of in that John Rhodes, Max Wagner mold here. Being so young and a more recent riser. Had some questions about the power, I think, and whether he had enough power to stick at third base early on in his career. Had a little bit of struggles at some points this year for TCU, but as the season has progressed, the helium has definitely been rising uh, with Taylor. He was the Big 12 Freshman of the Year back in 2021, first-team freshman All-American, and has Team USA experience. Although it was limited, he also has experience in the Cape Cod League and put up some pretty good numbers in the Cape. 37 games across two summers, five home runs, OPS just south of 800, uh, nine walks to just seven strikeouts, and three home runs in 11 games last summer in the Cape. So some more positive signs there. At TCU this year, Taylor hit 314 with a 439 on base percentage, 23 home runs, and almost as many walks as strikeouts. He struck out 56 times, walked 52 times. He was also a perfect 14 for 14 in stolen base attempts. So Across three seasons, Taylor has played in 180 games with the Horn Frogs, an 18.4% walk rate compared to a 16.7% strikeout rate, 39 doubles, 48 home runs, and was 39 for 40 in solid base attempts in total. Carlos Colazo over at Baseball America had a piece out that was just published a couple of days ago highlighting 12 draft prospects who are seeing their stock rise during the NCAA regionals, and Taylor was highlighted as he went 8 for 14 with two home runs in that regional. And according to Colazzo, both of the home runs he hit came off secondary pitches in pitchers' counts, highlighting Taylor's skill, quote, skill and confidence when hitting behind in the count. Colazzo also said that Taylor was one of the more consistent hitters in baseball throughout his career at TCU, had a 28-game on-base streak throughout or through regional play. And he, he also published an article even more recently looking at some of the bigger gains in terms of contact rates and exit velo rates. And Braden Taylor's contact rate, Took a slight step back, but his 90th percentile EV rate went from 100.9 miles per hour to 104.8 miles per hour. That was one of the the fourth highest gain in all of college baseball this season. Looking at prospects live and what they had to say about Taylor, they say Taylor is a plus defender with a very strong arm, while other outlets are a bit more conservative, noting average to above average skills defensively, but someone who, albeit is on the smaller side, could stick at third base or easily slide over to second base a position he does have a lot of experience at. He's got 50 to 60 grade tools across the board. I mentioned before in a mailbag episode, I think recently, where I briefly touched on Taylor, but I get Colton Kowser-esque vibes here from Taylor in terms of the elite eye at the plate, quality tools across the board, nothing that really stands out, but really no glaring weakness. And he's teetering on this balance of, do you try to get more power out of that bat because it's there? Or are you happy with maybe 15 to 20 home runs a year, high average, high OBP, and just lean into that 60 grade hit tool and elite eye that he has. But reading other scouting reports on Taylor kind of reads like the Orioles playbook for prospects, quoting from Prospect or Baseball America. His carrying tool is his swing decisions. He knows the strike zone better than some umpires and knows what pitches he can do damage on. Low chase rates, all positives for Taylor here, who I've honestly fallen more and more in love with over the last few weeks, I would be pretty happy if, depending on how the board shakes out, obviously, but if Taylor's the pick, I think I'd be pretty happy with that selection. Should also note that back in February, so things have changed pretty drastically here, but 
Fangraphs had Braden Taylor as the number two draft prospect entering the season, and Joe Doyle over at uh, futurestarseries.com also has Taylor as the pick to the Orioles in his latest mock draft. Honestly, the more I learn about Taylor, the more I really want him in this system. Moving over to MLB Pipeline's mock draft, they have first base right-handed pitcher Bryce Eldridge from James Madison High School here in Virginia as a graduate of James Madison University who lives pretty close to where Eldridge plays high school ball. I have to say this would be a pretty cool pickup that I approve of, but that's irrelevant to his prospect status, which is also very good and deserving of being the number 17 overall draft pick. He's committed to Alabama. He's listed at 6'7", 233 pounds. He is a two-way player. Touches 97 miles per hour with a fastball, also throws a slider, curveball, and changeup, which most reports note he needs more feel for, but 6'7", high school pitcher who can throw in the mid-90s, you don't really need a changeup in high school to get those hitters out, so that's fairly typical. Uh, his height and arm angle create a lot of ground balls, and physically he fits the mold of pitchers. The Orioles have really loved to target, especially later in drafts. Guys like Keegan Gillis, Jared Beck, trading for the 6'7", righty Calver Bitsky this past offseason. Physically, he fits that mode. Again, referencing Joe Doyle at futurestarsseries.com has a beautiful write-up of Eldridge, who he has ranked as the 10th best draft prospect this year. I've seen him in mocks go all over the first round, but if he's available here for the Orioles at 17, which I doubt, but you never know, he's the type of extremely high-ceiling guy that you can take a risk on, knowing that he may need some extra time to develop, but the reward could be well worth it, and you have more than enough depth in the system to be patient with a pick like Eldridge, but... Doyle notes that there is more than the 97 miles per hour coming with his frame and athleticism. He has a true swing and miss weapon in his slider that he commands well and a low 80s changeup that flashes plus as Doyle writes could be his best secondary offering. Multiple reports all grade him out about the same. Three pitches that grade out between 50 and 60, 50 grade control. He throws right, he throws as a righty, but he bats left-handed, plays primarily first base, but his athleticism and arm strength could allow him to play some outfield. 60-grade raw power, 60-arm, 45-50-grade 45 hit tool and speed, depending on the outlet. Team USA U18 World Series MVP and gold medal champion. It seems like as of right now, there's real no clear consensus about whether or not he's going to pitch or hit at the next level. If he is the pick here for the Orioles, I'm and I'm forced to guess, I'd say... The lefty bat with huge raw power is probably going to be used primarily as a hitter in this system, but I don't see why they wouldn't let him pitch in the FCL, maybe even as he gets moved up to Delmarva until you know a more firm decision is made. They tried the two-way route last year with Oklahoma State's Nolan McClain. Maybe they try again here with a younger player and a higher ceiling. I don't read the athletic, but apparently Eldridge is the pick there for the Orioles. In their first mock draft, Kylie McDaniel also has Eldridge going to the Orioles. So three mock drafts there with Eldridge and three with Taylor. Kylie McDaniel did have a few extra good nuggets in his write-up, saying that he posted great contact rates, is a unicorn of a prospect, a second rounder if viewed strictly as a pitcher, and has told teams that he does want to play both ways early on in his career. So Kylie does believe that he is a great match with the Orioles player development system and that they could really help him reach his 30-plus home run potential as a major league hitter. So, I mean, the Orioles aren't picking at the top of the draft anymore, but there are still clearly some really fun prospects who could be, a, could be available around in this range. Eldridge, two-way guy, huge raw power from the left side as a hitter, fastball up to 97-plus miles an hour from the right side if you want to use him as a pitcher. I'm down. This system is deep enough now. You can afford to take a few more risks, have a little bit more fun with this draft process. Eldridge seems like definitely one of those guys.
All right, so let's move on to second segment here, which again, this is not going to be an exhaustive list. We'll try to dive into the draft more, maybe on additional weekend episodes or the main shows we get even closer to the draft, but the possibilities at 17 are extremely wide. But I will throw out a few more names of guys mocked or ranked around 17 who could be potential matches as well. I'd love to dive into 50 plus names, but I'll limit it to five here. Some of these guys have been mocked all over the first round by various outlets, some specifically to the Orioles in previous iterations of their mock draft. But I've seen all five of these guys either connected to the the Orioles in some way by a national outlet. So I think they are guys of interest. I'll start with two high school guys, two high school bats, and then move on to three college players. First guy up here is an extremely interesting player. Shortstop Arjun Namala out of Strawberry Crest High School in Florida. There's talk about him going in the top 10, and only Baseball America's latest mock draft has him falling past the Orioles. They have him going 23rd overall to the Guardians. Others don't see a chance he goes past the top 10, but Kylie McDaniel noted in his mock draft over at ESPN.com that he and Mike Elias watched Namala together recently, so obviously Elias has this guy in his radar. There's swinging and miss concerns and questions about the hit tool, but he has really impressive raw power with some public scouting reports putting 30-plus home run potential on him. Possible 70-grade raw power. He's very young, even for being a high school pick. He's still going to be just 17 on draft day. So a very young player, a lot to go developmentally, physically. Also seems to be consensus that he has all the tools to stick at shortstop. And given his age, raw power, and very high ceiling, if he falls to the Orioles, I think he's got to be the pick. You can work on the hit tool and swing decisions, but the power he has is, is different and a big reason why he's likely a very attractive prospect to the Orioles. Third base high school prospect Aiden Miller, who comes from the Florida ranks, he has big power, a lot of you know Kobe Mayo vibes from Miller, who I think we talked about on the main show a few weeks, a few weeks ago. But Miller is a name I've seen connected to the Orioles in some fashion, but he's missed most of the year with a broken hamate bone, and it sounds like he's going to command a big overslot deal, which leads to a question we actually got from Vivek here, multi-time guest of the podcast, valued Patreon member. He asked, with the Orioles having five picks in the top 100, specifically four between you know, 50 and 100, can you see an underslot strategy being used in this draft since we have less money than usual? The Orioles did get the extra comp pick, which gives them a bit more money. Nolan McLean not signing. The Orioles do get an extra comp pick in the third round. So they do get a little bit added to their bonus pool, but yes, we're definitely not picking with a number one overall pick pool money here. Yeah, I keep going back and forth while thinking about the draft in terms of how the Orioles attack this thing this year because we know they're going to stick to their models and keep taking their guys, but do you continue to lean a bit more heavily on college bats to quickly replenish the farm system, anticipating a few hopefully big trades at, at either at the deadline or this offseason, which I think the offseason is more likely here, but you never know. Or do you say that, you know, we're seeing international signings pop up now with even more on the way. You're deep across the board in this system. You could trade away a few top guys, top few top 100 guys, and still be in great shape. You're not going to be the top overall farm system in baseball, but you're still going to be deep and have this big impressive farm system. So maybe let's get risky. Let's shoot for the moon with someone who maybe falls due to signing concerns but I think if they can still get their guy and save a little bit early on they will we know this organization likes to maximize their draft capital and it's proven to be a great strategy so far so if you're bigger targets who might require more money go early I have no issues if if they stick with the college bats and arms early on and then maybe try to find that 
Creed Willems or Carter Young later on, but I don't know what direction they're going to go. We know how nothing in terms of the draft, absolutely nothing in terms of the draft, leaks from this organization. But what I do know is that they are going to maximize this draft capital. But a uh, second name I wanted to look at here, another high school pick, another high school shortstop, George Lombard Jr. from Gulliver Prep High School in Florida. He's a 6'3", right-handed hitting shortstop, committed to Vanderbilt. Uh, Joe Doyle name-dropped him in his Orioles blurb, saying physically, he's a pretty imposing figure who projects beautifully from a physical standpoint. His dad's a former MLB player, so I, I believe with the White Sox, if I remember correctly. So he has the bloodlines. Every video I watch, every report I read, it's barrel, barrel, barrel. The kid knows how to barrel a baseball. Uh, baseball America gives him 55 grade overall, which translates to a first division regular, according to their scale. 55 power, 50 hit, 50 field, 50 arm, above average speed as well. Some believe he can stick it short. Others think he maybe moves to third base or even second base, possibly even the outfield. He doesn't really seem to have a glaring hole in his game and could bring the versatility that the Orioles love so much. He's typically being mocked in the early 20s, to team, so maybe a slight reach here, but the Orioles are in on him, and he's high on their boards, and he's available. I have no issues with Lombard being the pick as well. Move on to three college guys I want to highlight here. Uh, all three college players, if you're hoping for pitching, I'm sorry, I'm not going to highlight a pitcher in here. We are going to talk about two pitchers in the mock draft, but maybe if Hurston Waldrop from Florida happens to be available at 17, we'll talk, but the first pick I'm going to look at is Maryland shortstop Matt Shaw. There are questions about whether or not he sticks it short. I think pretty much consensus opinion he probably moves over to second base and is not a shortstop at the next level, but he's a local kid, holds the Maryland record for career home runs. Very early on in the mock draft cycle, he was the popular pick to the Orioles, listed at 5'11 and 185 pounds, but his 90th percentile exit velo is 107 miles per hour. That's very impressive. Very good hit and power tools. Could very well follow this Connor Norby-esque route if he's drafted by the Orioles. Be a very fast riser through the system. Hit for average. Probably, you know, if things are clicking for him well, especially in the lower levels of the minor leagues, you do see him hit 20-plus home runs uh, as he moves probably across three levels in his first full year of pro ball. He hit three. I don't think he's going to be a 20-plus home run guy at the major league level, but, you know, Again, same same Connor Norby vibes here. Uh, he did hit 351 this season at Maryland, 445 on base percentage, 1142 OPS, hit 24 home runs, 20 doubles, and had more walks than strikeouts. 43 walks to 42 strikeouts, 18 for 19 in stolen base attempts last summer. He was named the top prospect in the Cape Cod League last year, where he hit five home runs and 10 doubles, OPS over a thousand. So we know he can play extremely well with the wooden bat. He showed, uh, Baseball America got some good tidbits here on him showing, saying that he showed notable improvements against breaking balls over the last year, doing a good job of closing up one of the bigger holes in his game. So, I mean, whether it's with the Orioles or not, I'm a big Matt Shaw fan and could see him having a successful pro career wherever he goes. Um, number four here, really interesting guy, Tommy Troy out of Stanford. Tommy Troy, again, another guy who's going to be participating in the College World Series this week. He is the reigning Pac-12 batting champion. He's pretty solidly mocked in the mid-range of the first round and has gained some helium later on in this draft process. He's really picked things up when success matters most for a lot of these college guys. I think there are at least 
probably like 10 other guys who I think profile as better picks for the Orioles in this range. But going back to Vivek's question about saving money at the top of the draft, Troy could present that option to the Orioles. I'm, I don't know exactly what his bonus demands are, but he, he's a higher floor college bat who should move quickly through your system. And hopefully you unlock a little bit more here while you target a, big, a bigger piece later on if Troy is that pick. Other guys who could profile here, Mississippi State outfielder Colton Ledbetter, who we talked about on the main show a couple of weeks ago. Virginia Tech outfielder Jack Hurley, another semi-local guy here. Those could be options as well. But looking at Troy, 21-year-old, future second baseman, hit 397 this season at Stanford, OPS 1190, 17 doubles, 17 home runs. Saw his walk rate go from 4.5% last year to 11.6% this year. And his strikeout rate fell from 19.2% down to 14.4%. Phenomenal gains in both those areas. According to Baseball America, Troy had a 92% contact rate against fastballs, which is insane. Probably more likely that he does stick at second base as he moves up the organization. But could be a guy who, a second baseman who hits 15 plus home runs a year. Looks like more of a line drive hitter, but there's potential for some more power here for sure. Some reports believe he has a plus hit tool with above average all fields power. Regardless of how you view his power, I do see some room there between where he's at now and what his ceiling can be. And he has all the baseline tools for his this player development staff here in Baltimore to work with him. So while I don't think he is the pick if available, I think he does make for an interesting conversation about the first few rounds and how the Orioles attack this process overall. And at least he's another name to watch closely over the next few days as the College World Series unfolds. Uh, one more note here, Troy and Matt Shaw were two of the highest risers in terms of contact rate in all of college baseball this year per Baseball America. And I'm always fascinated by these guys who show a little bit of power in college, and then you read the scouting reports and they say, I don't know, some say eh, he's probably like 10 to 15 home run guys. Some people say, no, there's definitely more power there. The raw power is there. The in-game power is questionable, but the right org can pull that out. A lot of people said that about Jordan Westberg. That was probably one of the bigger questions you kept seeing about Jordan Westberg coming out of the draft. And look at Westberg now. He he's, was, what, number two in the organization in home runs on the minor league side of things last year. He already has 17 home runs. It's only June 15th when I'm recording this. So those guys are, are just always uh, interesting to me. It's fun to see what the Orioles can do with these kind of guys who are teetering there on the edge there. But last name I'll drop here in this segment and he's honestly becoming one of my favorite players in this draft process. Arizona outfielder Chase Davis. He is a 21-year-old left-handed hitting outfielder coming off a 21 home run season with a 362 average, a 1231 OPS, and 43 walks to just 40 strikeouts this year. He's maintained his 15 to 16% walk rate over the last two years at Arizona, but saw his K rate go from 23% down to 14% this year. 115.6 max EV number that I've seen, 90th percentile EV of 110.6. Uh, from Joe Doyle's, Doyle's write-up, Davis entered 2023 with major questions about his hit tool, but saw his contact rate spike by 10% this year and was one of the premier hitters in the nation in terms of chase rate, swing and miss rate, and exit velos combined. Defensively, he's got a 70-grade arm, so he's a good defensive outfielder with a cannon, he hits the ball extremely hard, and he's shown a real ability to improve his swing decisions and contact rates without sacrificing that power. So all the data and numbers that I can find on this kid that are floated out there scream top of the draft pickup here. 
and it seems like he is rising up boards pretty quickly, but some outlets in discussion don't even mention him in the first round. So MLB Pipeline, I don't think he's mentioned in the first round there. I think Davis could be the type of pick that goes unnoticed early on if he is the Orioles pick here at 17. He goes unnoticed, doesn't get a ton of love initially from the major outlets, but hop on Twitter, hop online. You see a lot of love for this pick from many of the the smarter people out there who produce draft content, a la Dylan Beavers last year. You know, Davis doesn't need that major swing overhaul that Beavers does. But to be fair, Beavers, I think, is a little bit better defensively, much more athletic. But on his own, Chase Davis looks like he could be a phenomenal sleeper pick here in this mid to late first round range if he doesn't go a lot higher. I think this is a good group to kind of kick off the draft coverage here. If you have someone in mind as a potential target and want to add their name to this list, let us know. I mean, there are so many good options here at 17. I honestly like picking later in this first round better for for two reasons. One, it means, obviously, that the Major League team is winning. But it makes diving into this draft stuff a lot more fun because of the 100 different routes the Orioles can take. So, uh, with that being said, though, I'm going to take a quick break here. But when I come back, I'm going to fire up Prospects Live's Mock Draft Simulator Have some fun with that. You can use this simulator to draft through the first five rounds of the draft. So I'm going to run through a mock there. Talk about a few more names as I make these selections for just the Orioles. And uh, let's have some fun with it. All right. So let's get started with this uh, final segment of the show, the the mock draft section. I'm going to have some fun with this. Also, apologies if there are any uh, audio variances there between the first half of the show and the second half of the show. Small issue, but hopefully it's not too noticeable. But anyway, shout out to Tyson Tucker at T underscore Tuck5 on Twitter. He created this mock draft simulator over at Prospects Live. I played around with it as soon as it was released. Uh, I had Wake Forest righty Rhett Louder fall and posted that screenshot. And I think it upset some people who had you know, no context about what else had happened to the first 16 picks. So a reminder that this is just for fun. It's a simulator. This is for the fellow sickos out there. I want to do one of these on the live you know, main show or something, but it's kind of slow to work through. So I'm going to quickly kind of recap the top names who went off the board right ahead of when the Orioles pick and then give maybe a quick rundown of some of the top names left according to the Prospects Live ranking. So that way... There's a bit of context here we have of, of what's going on when, when I make these picks, and it's not just you know random screenshots of just one name. So let's go here with the first round. Uh, so the first pick here, 17th overall, we see the chalk LSU start, and then you know uh, Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens. Then this run on high school talent. A lot of the names I just mentioned, Arjun Namala goes 8th to the Royals. Tommy Troy, 11th to the Angels. Braden Taylor, 12th to the D-backs. Matt Shaw, 15th to the White Sox. And George Lombard goes one pick ahead of the Orioles to the Giants at number 16. So the vast majority of names I just went through in the first part of the show, uh, all off the board. We got uh, Grand Canyon shortstop Jake Wilson is the top name on the board. Uh, One of my personal favorite players in this draft, other than the studs at the top, obviously, but UVA's Kyle Teal. I kind of want to take Teal here just to see people lose their minds as I select a catcher, but I'm not. Um, We've got Bryce Eldridge, uh, high schooler here from Virginia, and Chase Davis are both here on the board. And I think I will practice what I was preaching earlier with Chase Davis and select the outfielder out of Arizona here. So Chase Davis, welcome to the Baltimore Orioles. I won't go into more detail there about Davis since we just talked about him, but... 
Got a long break now before the Orioles pick in the second round, 53rd overall. Bryce Eldridge goes 24th to the Atlanta Braves. Colton Ledbetter to the Rays at 31. We know now he's going to be an annoyance to the Orioles for years to come. Kyle Teal falls all the way to the A's at number 39. That definitely will not happen in real life. See, I was hoping for Wake Forest third baseman Brock Wilkin would fall, but he goes to the Marlins at 47. Here's a fun pick. Andrew Walters, uh, the relief pitcher from Miami. I don't think this is going to happen in real life either, but remember he was drafted by the Orioles last year, returned to Miami so he could play with his brother. Very admirable. Can't deny him there. He goes 50th overall to the Boston Red Sox. So a cute move by Boston, but Judd Fabian is 5 million times better and is going to destroy you for the next decade. So we got some good names here available at number 53. We got high school left-handed pitcher Thomas White is the top name on the board. Miami infielder Yohandi Morales is also here. I would not mind him. Michigan State shortstop Mitch Jeb would be, I think, a lovely pick, but a few rounds later. He definitely won't be there when I feel comfortable picking him, and I'm not reaching on him. See, I'm going to feed the pitching star fans here, but this is actually a really great pickup, so I'm not mad about this one at all. With the second round pick, the Orioles are going to take a left-handed pitcher out of Phillips Academy in Massachusetts, Thomas White. He's 18 years old, 6'5", Vanderbilt commit, 14th ranked draft prospect per Baseball America, already touching 96 miles an hour with belief that he will easily reach the triple digits, 60 grade fastball, 55 grade curveball, 60 grade changeup. Fastball command does seem to be the huge concern, though, but reports suggest a future frontline starter if he can command that fastball. From Joe Doyle's blurb here on White, he says, There are those that believe White is the best prep southpaw prospect available in any draft class since Steve Avery, who went third overall in 1988. So, very high praise for Thomas White there, who falls to us at number 53. We're up to number 63. Pick number 63 now. Back on the clock, nothing of huge note that stands out over the last 10 picks. I am seeing some college outfielders here as I scroll down a bit, but I don't want to reach for them yet. They'll be available when we come back on the clock at 118. At number 63 overall, I'm going to stick in the high school ranks here. I'm going to go with Nazan Zanatello, third baseman from Christian Brothers College in Missouri. Remember, I'm not factoring bonus demands and such here. Just having some fun with this one. Zanatello is a 6'2 right-handed hitting shortstop, 18 years old, committed to Arkansas. Baseball America does note he has low chase rates, but some swing and miss issues on pitches in the zone, but I think that can be worked on in this system, obviously. Plus defender at shortstop and in center field. He's also a left-handed pitcher, so eh, not a two-way guy, I don't think, but bats right, throws left, could be fun. Uh, if you haven't seen any videos, videos on this kid yet, go find some. It is a very smooth swing. Very quick hands, gap-to-gap power to all fields already. Very strong outfield arm. Can easily see some notable gains in the power department here as he continues to grow. I don't know how difficult he will be to sign, but if he falls and the Orioles have maybe shaved some money off at the top, I would not hate grabbing Zenatello here in real life. So I like the first three picks here we've got. Let's chug along here. And If you're still listening at this point, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm hoping I'm passing along something worthwhile here, and this has been a lot of fun just researching and coming through the videos, if nothing else. But we got some prep names here at the top of the list here as we're back for our next pick. Landon Moratis and Trent Caraway. We had a big run on college pitchers that just went. Took some good names off the board that I was looking at. 
We do have Duke shortstop Alex Mooney is interesting. I've watched a bit of him in ACC play, but I think I'm going to go back to the outfield. Pick number 86 overall here. I'm going to go Arkansas outfielder Chase Borfon at pick number 86. Uh, Third-ranked player left on the board here. Ranked between 90 and 110 depending on the outlet, but if I'm being even remotely realistic here, I'm going to have to take some older college guys now after going with two high schoolers. Uh, Borfin's a 6'2 lefty bat, of course. Started his career at Oklahoma, transferred to Arkansas, where he really struggled in 2022, but hit 318 this season, 1048 OPS, 15 doubles, 16 home runs, really good exit velo numbers, good contact rates as well. Hard to pass on a lefty bat with power from the SEC who makes good contact. We'll note here that uh, one of my favorite resources to go to for draft info, Mason McCray, give him a follow on Twitter if you're not. He has Jace as the 27th ranked draft prospect so on his list, so I like the value here at number 86. Moving along, we got Alex Mooney goes, as I just mentioned him, goes with the next pick to Milwaukee. Wake Forest pitcher Seth Keener to the Mariners. I really liked him. We're now here at pick number 100. The top names, we got some college guys. Grant Taylor, pitcher from LSU. Uh, let's go with UNC third baseman slash outfielder Matt Corvath at pick number 100 year. 21 years old, right-handed hitting, third baseman, plays some left field and right field as well. Hit 24 home runs this season for the Tar Heels. 305 average, 1129 OPS. He's a plus runner as well, 44 for 51 in stolen base attempts in college. He has 109 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velo numbers, really impressive contact rates. Probably a utility type player who plays solid defense with power and a decent hit tool, but it's also probably going to strike out a little bit more than you want. But I think that sneaky power, his ability to get on base should make up for that. At this point in the draft, I think I'm just looking for big versatility and hope that I can hit on a good depth option or Hope something clicks at some point and they become someone who can stick in the majors as, as a uh, utility piece. But I like Matt Corvath. I feel like he's been at UNC for 10 years. So uh, time for some new digs here. And welcome to the Baltimore Orioles. So we have two picks left, 118 overall and number 154 overall. 118, I'm going to go back to the outfield and someone who I can't pass up, having watched a lot of Charlotte baseball this year. Random, I know. But outfielder Jake Cunningham. Come on down. We're going to select you here. 6'4", 200-pound right-handed hitter. Bit of a project pick here, though. Uh, bling brings plus power, good center field defense, two qualities that are highly coveted by this organization. You can teach the swing decisions, but the power Cunningham has is, is all natural. He does strike out a bit, and that that's at a mid-major level, too, so that is a serious concern, but the power is very much for real. I wanted his teammate Charlotte outfielder Cam Fisher. He is a lefty who I think might have even more juice, but also strikeout concerns. But I'm not upset about getting Cunningham here. If you can smooth out the swing and miss, you have tremendous value here at pick 118. He turns 21 just days before the draft, so he's a bit younger as well. With the outfield depth in this system, if you think you can get more out of him, the Orioles can afford to slow play it with Cunningham and work with him as a project pick. That leaves just one more selection here for the Orioles. Pick number 154 in the fifth round. Uh, near the top of the board here, I'm staring at a pitcher. Some few intriguing college names. I don't want to go high school again. I'm going to go college pitcher. And honestly, I'm just going to break the tie here by giving a shout-out to Ben McDonald. 
I'm sure the Orioles in this range, if they were in this position right now, I'm sure they would have a smaller school pitching target at the top of their board, a la you know, like Carlos Tavera or Justin Armbruster, someone with pitch met, the pitch metrics that they have just fallen in love with. But I'm going to go SEC again. And in honor of Ben McDonald, I'm going LSU right-handed pitcher Christian Little out of LSU. Now, some outlets are much higher than others on Little. I've seen him ranked 129th and 135th on two different lists. Baseball America has him all the way down at 216. He was originally at Vanderbilt, transferred to LSU. He's listed at 6'4", 225 pounds. His dad was drafted and pitched in the Astros organization. He's still just 19 years old and has three seasons of SEC experience under his belt. From uh, Joe Doyle at Future Star Series, his scouting report, he says Little sits 92 to 95 with a fastball, produces high chase rates, and according to Joe, it has metrics that the front offices will love. And he also has a high spin curveball and a changeup but he has struggled to miss bats in the zone. The baseball card numbers do not look good. I think this could be an instance of where the results just don't match the stuff quite yet. But again, he's very young. I think this is another project pick. Again, I don't I don't really see the Orioles. If Little would be available here, I don't see the Orioles selecting Little, if I'm being honest. But I like the LSU pickup here. I like the more project pitcher. I know pitching in the system is a little different from the hitters, but I think you can still go on a short run of you know older college arms later in the draft and take a fun flyer on Little here, whose ceiling could be that of a flamethrowing starter if you're able to smooth a lot of his stuff out, get those more whiffs in the zone. Could end up being a decent pick. Who knows, maybe he surprises, has a good uh, College World Series experience here and uh, climbs up the board a little bit as well. So, so that was a lot of fun. I, I think it'd be even more awesome to do this live and if we were able to incorporate some of your highlight videos and stuff for for people to see so you can get a better idea of who these guys are but hopefully you enjoyed this as well kind of recap my mock draft here at uh first round 17th overall we went with arizona outfielder chase davis talked about him extensively in the first part of the episode there second round pick 53rd overall we went with phillips academy left-handed pitcher thomas white high school prep arm Pick number 63 overall, stayed in the prep ranks, the third baseman from Christian Brothers College, Nazan Zanatello. In the third round, pick number 86 overall, we went with Arkansas outfielder Chase Borfon. Third round, staying in the third round, more comp picks here, number 100 overall, UNC third baseman slash right fielder Matt Corvath. Fourth round pick 118 overall, Charlotte outfielder Jake Cunningham, and rounded this one out. Pick number 154, LSU right-handed pitcher, Christian Little. Hope you all enjoyed this. I had a lot of fun doing it. I had a lot of fun researching. That's going to do it for this weekend's episode. Hopefully you heard something you like. Maybe heard a new name or two that piqued your interest. And if anything, you know, I've eliminated a long list of names that uh, are never going to even come close to being picks for the Orioles because we know that's how this goes. But uh, regardless, still had fun. Might do this again as we get closer to the draft if people liked it. Uh, We'll be back, all three of us, Monday night for our regularly scheduled show. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BSL on the Verge. Also head over to our YouTube page, subscribe to the channel. Takes one second, it's totally free. Lastly, patreon.com slash on the Verge. You can grab a seven-day free trial right now if you sign up. And we have discounted rates if you sign up for a full year to get access to our very active WhatsApp group, bonus episodes throughout the year, 
And during the season, you get daily recaps looking at all of the minor league action from the day before. So thank you for listening to this uh, weekend episode and talk to you all again on Monday night. That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.